What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night, January 10th. Deshaun and I just watched Illinois lose at home to Maryland. Dropped a 9-4 overall. Uh, two games off of first place in the Big Ten regular season standings. Deshaun, it was actually a relatively quiet weekend in college basketball until uh, until Sunday night. So what's going on, man? How you doing? What are your takeaways? What's up, bro? How you been? I've been good, man. I can't really complain. I got a chance to watch a ton of basketball. Saturday, everybody took care of business, basically. Either, I mean, Kansas won a close one, but everybody else blew everyone else out of the water. So it was, uh, it was, everybody did what they were supposed to do almost. It was tough to even. Uh, almost. 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 Every, almost everybody. Almost. Shut up. Anyway, go ahead. Almost. We'll, we'll, Car- go ahead. Carry on, Ron. Go ahead. Ca- carry on, Ron. Go ahead. That's how you know go you're ahead. from Jersey. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> um, all right. Be- before we get into <laughs> what everyone knows that we're going to talk about, um, real quick, let's just talk a little bit about Illinois and Maryland. Uh, I, I was honestly not all that surprised to see Maryland get this win. Uh, if you go back and listen to the uh, the Best Bets podcast from this morning, you will hear that I actually bet on Maryland, not to win. I bet on them to cover nine and a half. But um, I've gotten to the point where I think everything comes down to matchups for Illinois. Everything comes down to whether or not Kofi Coburn is going to be able to win his matchup when he is going up against someone that is his size, that is his physicality, that is his uh, speed, I guess, or lack of speed um, and has his ability to kind of play uh, around the basket instead of away from the rim. um, Then it's a good matchup. If you're going up against a team that wants to play a little bit more perimeter oriented, that's going to put him in a lot of different ball screens, then it's a problem. And, uh, and Maryland is one of the best ball screen teams in the country in terms of, how often they they run ball screens and how efficient they are in ball screens. Entering this game, they were like 98th percentile, according to Synergy, in uh, in, in all ball screen actions, which is just like kind of baffling because Maryland stinks. Yeah. So you think if they were really <laughs> good, like whatever, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I, I just stink. think. Well, I know they just they, they've won at. How about this? They're they're two and five in the Big Ten, yeah. and their wins are at Maryland and at Wisconsin, who might just be the two best teams in the conference. So, like, uh, it, it, hey, that's a Big Ten for you. But uh, yeah, give me all your takeaways. I mean, I honestly, I, I would have to ride with you, like as far as the matchup scenario. It's it's never good when you have like, especially our Big Ten guys like Iowa, and then you have Illinois when you get the bigs who are not in their element out there guarding, like having to stay and stunt a little bit longer on the perimeter mm-hmm. or stop the ball. It just doesn't suit Kofi's game. Like defensively. I mean, obviously you want him to do these things, but it's just, that's the mismatch and putting, I honestly, I don't even think it's just Kofi. It's just putting Illinois and ball screen seems to give them trouble. Like they're great in transition. They have mm-hmm. an issue in half court ball screen defense. And if you run on them, I mean, kudos, but for the most part, 
like Illinois is at its best when they can just keep you running without stopping. Because if they stop, their offense in the half court gets stagnant at times. And if they get to the, their half court defense and you run sets with ball screens or, or just ball screen action period to get the big to step away from the paint, they don't have any. They don't have anybody to protect the paint, and it and it's not like these guys are like just like you know keeping you out of the paint, protecting the basket too much. So. You mm-hmm. can you you could you have straight line drives. You can pull Kofi out, do whatever you want. It's kind of the, the way their defense kind of looks. Yeah, and, and that's really what it just comes down to for me is is you know when they get in those beneficial matchups, they're really really good. When when they don't get in those beneficial matchups, that's when you uh, kind of see them struggle a little bit, and that's when you really want to bet against. But I've been pretty profitable trying to find those spots uh, betting this year, which is um, I don't know, Better just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, better, better than, than me. <laughs> um, I, and I also I, I do want to give a little bit of credit to uh, to Maryland because I actually thought that what they did against Iota Sumu was really interesting. The, what uh, Illinois loves to run offensively is that kind of like weave action and getting and using that to kind of get into uh, Io running off of a ball screen and trying to get downhill going to his right. Yeah. And Daryl Morsell um, and, and Aaron Wiggins did an unbelievable job at like not letting him get to his right hand to get over that ball screen and force him to his left. Now <laughs> it's hard. To I'm sit- yeah. <laughs> but, but like, if you want an idea of just how good, uh, just how good I would assume is like, I'm sitting here being like, yeah, Maryland did a great job on him. He finished 20, with 23 and eight. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, 23 and eight. And the point, and I remember you just said, just now you just said they, they tried their best to make sure he didn't go downhill. Right. And I can remember a couple of times he did it, but I mean, if you can only keep him, if you could limit it to two times and then have him fight to earn his 23 points and almost yes. take the rest of the team out of it, then, I mean, you, you're playing into the, uh, you're playing into the scout report. You, Maryland got what they wanted. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that's, that right there is the key, right? It's, it's the efficiency with which he scores. It's the ease with which he scores. He, that's. he was nine for 23 from the floor, you know, for the most part when he's getting his numbers, he he's he's not taking a lot of shots to do it, and yeah. um, they they made him have to work for that twenty three. Like he had ten, I think he had ten points with eleven minutes left in the second half. And then like, so I, I was watching the game, and Robbie Hummel, shout out to Robbie Hummel, part of the field yeah. of sixty eight media network, and, and so he's like, man, they're doing such a great job on Isle, like they're really locking him down, and Isle scored like nine points in literally the next like. 48 seconds and Robbie's just like well now he's got 19 they still did a good job with him but now he's got 19 <laughs> I mean it's only and I that's just a credit to him man he's a great player and there's only so much you can do when you're playing against great players like it's, it's tough but as long mm-hmm. as you keep the rest of the guys from getting into their thing like these two uh Coburn and and, and Ale went out there and did what they were supposed to do and no one else could do anything else and they went and, and Maryland wins the game so yeah, I mean, so shout out to Maryland, man. For real, George, George didn't score. Uh, Demonte yeah. Williams didn't score. Trent Frazier didn't score. When you, you saw Georgie going else. through it, you saw Georgie going through it over there uh, during yeah. the timeout, man. Like coach had to calm him down. He was over there like kicking and throwing stuff, and they had to hug, like hug it out almost. It was it was a tough. He was frustrated. Yeah, the one thing I do like about this Illinois team is that they they can show those emotions and like and get over it, right? Like, we saw facts, facts. We, we saw it in the Northwestern game, and, and we talked about it at the time, was that, um, like, Brad Underwood, like, lit into them on the bench, like, got yeah, into them. They were down 15 at halftime, and he got into them, and they came out. And, like, that was that was the most dominant it. second half I think I ever seen, man. They, they, have you ever been outscored 53 to 13 and a half? Have you ever gotten your ass kicked by 40 points in one half of basketball? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say no because there's so much basketball I've played in my lifetime and I've caught in so many L's, big ones. So I can't say no, but I can tell you when you're on the other side of those L's, they do not feel good. It's just like, it feels <laughs> like this overwhelming of you can't do anything to, to stop this from happening. So it, it happened It happened to me once. Like one time I was beat as bad as Northwestern got beat against Illinois. And uh, it was AAU. It was after my junior year. Yeah, we were playing. Um, we were playing at a tournament. I believe it was actually like the the hoop group event they had at West Virginia. It was uh, a morning time. Remember when you used yeah, to be able to have hoop group events on campus? Yeah. And so our coach, the, the guy that ran my program, um, ran a program out of Connecticut, and he ran a program out of New York City. And he 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 entered both of those programs into the tournament, but only two kids from the like the New York City team were able to actually go out and play. And so he's like, look, we're, we're just going to play all the games. Like, we're going to come down with one team, pretend to be two teams, and we're going to play oh all God, of the gosh. games. That's a ten. That's actually it was, fun for the kids. But at the same time, it's like you're setting it up. You're setting it up for that uh, that home run for the other team. Yeah, so we, we were like, this this is awesome. This is a great – like, I had a, a kid um, – I can't remember his name now. But, like, he came in because we wanted to, them to practice with us. So he stayed with me for, like, four days. Some kid I've never met from New York. He ended up playing at Elon. <laughs> Some point guard. He was awesome. He was really, I think he was Jared something, maybe. I don't remember what his name was, but he came and he stayed with us for like four days. And um, so we go to this tournament, and the only time that we get in trouble is for during like the group play games. Like we yeah. got sk- like double scheduled. So like we're playing the same time. <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got 10 dudes. And so our coach is like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna split this up. And one of the teams they were called Rally's Finest. Like we had we had a bunch of guys that were like between six foot and six five, like probably. Everyone played college ball. We probably had three or four D1 guys. So, we, like, we were we were a good AAU team, but we weren't, like, EYBL AAU. Yeah. And so he split it up. So he took all of, like, the D1 guys and put them on a the team that actually had a chance to win. And then just sent the rest of us over to play up, like, Rally's Finest. That had, like, they were starting a seven-footer that was shooting threes back in, like, 2004, which was unheard of. Yeah. And so, like, it was bad. We lost, like, I think the final score was, like, 94 to 24. Like, it was just – it was completely overmatched. It was, like, imagine taking, taking like, an EYBL team and just putting up against some random, like, public high school team from the suburbs of New Jersey. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's not yeah, going to be pretty. Imagine yeah, taking your Bloomfield Tech high school team and going and playing, like, the wor- like one of the worst teams at the smallest level of – uh, of New Jersey high school basket, like it, would, it, it was a bloodbath. It was bad. Yeah, I did I not. I didn't. I didn't get dunked on those. That was that was that was the one. Dunk. That's always the, that's always what you look for when the game's over. If you have actually, guys. and, and like, here's, I, didn't here's, get, I didn't get dunked on. No one kicked. Like no one. Like no one crossed me over. Crossed like, me, like, I, like you're looking for every little thing to negate like, <laughs> that you were. For, for me, for me, it was it was always it was always like if I got into the handshake line and the other team was like, hey, good shooting. Hey, good shooting. Yeah. Like, I was like, all right, cool. Like, I, that's, that's yeah, cool. exactly. I got, Someone I got the respect. respect Someone respected yeah. what I did out here. Good shit, man. Good <laughs> job, bro. I right, appreciate it, man. Uh, the, the best part <laughs> is that, um, so the other team that they were playing, it was called, uh, they were, they were, I think they were called Maryland 3D or something like that, or mm. uh, like 3D, whatever it was. Like, they had a, like, they, they were, they were high level. They were the, um, like, the, the top team in that group, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the word for it is. And Rackets so we were trying to, yeah, the top one in the, in the in like whatever the group play they set up, like they were the best team that was supposed to make it to the bracket play. Yeah. And so 
uh, like we, we get a text as soon as we lose. They're like, yo, we're competing with them, but we just had a guy foul out. So we got four players. So we're like, oh shit. Yeah. All right, run, run to the other gym. We're going to go help them out. Like it's all, it's our team. And so we get there and we're like, all right, yeah, sub us in, sub us in. And they're like, you can't, you're not in the scorebook. So we had to sit there with the jerseys on and watch them, watch them. And they competed, man. I think they ended up losing by like nine to a team that had a couple high major kids. Like they, they, they had no business competing with. Um, with four guys on the floor, but yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was the worst beating I ever took in AAU ball. Um, shout out to all right, AAU. so shout out to AAU. All right, well, let's get into uh, let's get into this Texas and West Virginia game. But first, uh, I just gotta give you a little word from our sponsors. I do have to let you guys know really quick about our partners over at Manscaped. To anybody out there, to all the gentlemen out there that have ever had any issues when they were cleaning up their below the waist area, if anybody that's ever nick something they didn't want to nick when they were trying to trim hair in places they didn't want to have hair to all the ladies that are listening to this podcast and watching this show that have men in your life that have struggled with these issues that have struggled with these problems that have needed you to help them put alcohol on areas that you don't want to be putting alcohol on to help them with incidents when it comes to trimming the hair down there do we have an answer for you. It is the Lawnmower 3.0 from our partners over at Manscaped. They are here to save your boys from taking on a double team of nagging defenders so you can stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters the most. Trust me, I've been using it. It's great. It's very easy. You do not nick anything. The Lawnmower 3.0 is here to sink the competition and deliver the best tools for your family jewels that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and they just released the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer it is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of the ceramic blade and the skin safe technology your snags will be reduced trust me they have been their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer, which allows you to be able to trim in the shower. You get performance boxer briefs, and you get a travel bag to use for when we're done quarantining. We can actually go out to places other than our houses and our apartment. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant, which ensures that your afternoon stroll does not end with your balls getting stuck to your leg because every guy knows that is the absolute worst thing in the entire world to have happen. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that gives your balls a boost. And trust me, it makes them feel very nice. So you get 20% off and free shipping with the code CATS, that's C-A-T-S, at manscaped.com because it's a whole new balls game. Take advantage of this limited time offer from Manscaped's all-star lineup and try it yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CATS, C-A-T-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code CATS, C-A-T-S. When things get hairy in the fourth quarter, Make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. All right. Welcome back. Deshaun, I know this one's going to be a little bit tough for you to deal with, and I know we got to talk about it because, uh, mm. you know, it's a West Virginia loss, and, and we can get to Oscar Shebway and Miss Fritos and all of that in a little bit. But first and foremost, man, like, you have to feel good. I, I know it was your team and your program and, 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 and where you played for four years and uh, the university that you love that, that took the loss, but, like, Party has to be so happy for Andrew Jones in that moment. 
you kidding me? Um, so I think like I'll bring it back to Andrew Jones, but like I I remember back when I was uh, I would say I was a sophomore, and we played against Tennessee, and they had this dude Lofton. It was amazing, Chris Lofton. Yeah, yeah Chris Lofton, amazing score, and well, I got a chance to play against them, and I was just like. It's like, yeah, this dude can hoop. Like, I was, like, I had nothing but respect for him. And then I heard, like, over like a certain amount of time, he ended up like either getting cancer or something that took him away from playing basketball. Period. And I always like felt bad about that because it's just like these, real, these- real quick. That story yeah. is. Um, so he told that story to uh, on one of our other podcasts on Big Volume with Dave Bradshaw, which is our Tennessee yeah. podcast. He told that story, and what happened was like, this, this is insane. Listen to this, Deshaun. So. They played in the Sweet 16 the year before in 2007. It was the year where Ohio State with Greg Oden and Mike Conley. Exactly. Yeah, at, that was my, that's my freshman at, year. Yeah. So beat him at the buzzer. Chris Lofton, before that game, he took the piss test and it came back positive. But like he didn't, he didn't smoke. He didn't do, he didn't do anything. So yeah. the, the trainer was like, well, this isn't good. Like there's, we got to look into this. Um, and it turns out like that piss test that came back positive let them know that he actually had leukemia. And yeah. so he went and no one knew, like no one on the team knew, only the training staff and like the family knew. No one, no one knew. And he kept it a secret for the entire year. He came yeah. back and played the entire season before anyone found out that he was playing with after, after overcoming leukemia, overcoming cancer, which is just like, it's, I don't no idea how you do that. I have no idea how, how Andrew did what he did, but I'm sorry. Exactly. Anyways, go ahead. Finish your nah, story. So like here and that, like I always like, I felt I would always have like that, small chip like i want to say chip but uh like it sucks bro like this is good this dude is a great player you know he worked hard for what he's doing you could tell by the way he plays how talented he is and then it's like life just hits him out of nowhere with this and then i you know i you know watching the game and this guy they, they've been they've been talking about andrew jones like they've been talking about him the entire game and about like everything he's coming up like you know gone through what he's overcome and while the game's going i'm like you know let me check this stuff out bro and just Brought two like basically two years without playing, mm-hmm. just treatment and just making sure he was like healthy and making sure he's fine, taking care of his body, like doing absolutely everything. And that's not even talking about his like his hospital stuff. Like this, he was still like trying to make sure he kept his body in, intact and everything during that process. Just the mental toughness, uh, just the the focus and the love for the game, and then just to see him be able to go out there this past game and especially early this season, but still this past game and then go out there, get a thousand point and obviously hit the game winner. Like it was, I was, as soon as the game was over, I was like, congrats to him, bro. Like, that's amazing. Like, this is an amazing story. I was nothing but happy for him. And if you lose to, if we lost that game, like we lost the game, but like, you don't mind losing, you don't mind losing games to me, at least when, you know, somebody worth like that, that's a worthy opponent somebody like a great texas team number four in the country and you got guys like that on your team that just basically like their will to win and everything he's been through is like it's a story like you you got nothing but respect for it like you got to respect it yeah and you know i I was a little bit frustrated by so the the narrative kind of became like it's the three-year anniversary when he officially announced when like when they made public that he had leukemia but like it's oh one great story three no it's just that's like a random date and a random narrative that kind of makes it endearing that everybody can kind of grab onto what yeah what's amazing about that story is this dude went through two rounds of chemotherapy and like everybody listening to this has probably know someone that that has gone through battle cancer has gone through cancer has undergone chemotherapy you know what that does to a person's body 
Like he just, the only way to kill those cancerous cells is to absolutely pump you full of ke- uh, chemicals and just ravage you. It just, it, it wipes everything out of you. And um, like, you could see, I don't know if you've seen the clips of him in like his hospital gown with yeah, the mask man. on, like in all the IVs and like shooting on a, yeah. like they brought in like a little like Fisher price basket. So he could be in there and shoot. And um, to know like what he went through to be able to get from the day he found out to the like mm. to, to the day that he started playing again, like That's that me is the unbelievable story about this. And like when he first came back in 2018, like he played two games at the start of the 2018, 2019 exactly. season, but it, like he was kind of like, it was kind of like a, a walk on playing kind of a situation, right? Cause it was like nine minutes here in a blowout, two minutes here in a blowout against teams that had, he had no business playing or uh, that had no business like being on the same court as Texas. And it was like, okay, it's nice to see him back, but like, that's not, he's not back. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, exactly. he's not Andrew Jones again. Like he's, he's a guy on the team, but he's not Andrew Jones again. Like he's Andrew Jones. And, and I, I will, I will go to my grave saying this, like, he is probably a better all-around basketball player right now than he was before he got sick. And he's different. Like, I think that – I said this earlier today. I think that, like, if old Andrew Jones played new Andrew Jones one-on-one, old Andrew Jones would probably win because he was more athletic and better one-on-one. But the guy that he is now is an absolutely – perfect role player he's accepted what he is he's a floor spacer he knocks down shots he attacks closeouts he's a good positional defender he's a great team guy like he's completely bought into the role that he needs to play to be successful in this team and like it's i i can't i can't i can't imagine and fathom what that's like as a teammate to see him with everything that he's gone through be able to have the success that he's having so like it's just it's it's the best story And, and the last thing that i want to leave with this is that um, he was on Goodman and Hummel's podcast on the Field of 68 Media Network uh, last week. And what he said, like, so people, I don't know how many people realize this, but his father, when Andrew Jones was eight, his father got in a car accident with, with Andrew and his, his sister in a car, flipped the car. His father was paralyzed from the waist down. So for the last 15 years, his father's been in a wheelchair. And so that family knows how to deal with, I don't want to say tragedy because everyone's survived, but they know how to deal with the hardships, man. They know hardships. How to deal with hardships, man. They they know how to persevere. They're tough as hell, man. Everyone in that family is tough as hell. So he understands what it takes to to, to be able to thrive despite having to deal with health issues that that may or may not be like there's nothing you can do about it, right? It is what it is. Um, and what he said was that he asked his dad for his advice, and his dad was like, "Don't think about the past. Don't worry about the future." Enjoy the day to day of trying to get better. Live in the like, enjoy the moment and live in the moment. And like, God damn, man, all of us lived in that moment with him. It, there was, this, yeah, it, I legitimately like choked up a little bit watching his teammates celebrate with him in that moment. It was, it was great. Yeah. Like, it was like when I shot one in, I was like, uh, but then like, I wasn't, it wasn't like one of those like, uh, like I'm over here cursing out someone on our team. It was just like, Tip of the cap, uh, right? Happened exactly like bro. More power to you, bro. Like that was that was amazing. Like I was, I, I'm happy for a guy, bro. Wish All right, so let's. I I don't want to harp too much on like the missed free throws or anything, and and um, how frustrating that loss probably is overall as like a West Virginia fan. Like, I mean, you guys, you guys are right there, right? It, it's not like those these last three losses have been horrible performances. You got slow starts as you're trying to figure out a new way to play, and then you just 
miss some free throws. Sometimes you miss free throws late. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that happens. Um, I want to talk about Big Sheev. I want to talk about his transfer. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, what Bob Huggins said. And, and I know you know some things. I, you don't have to – I'm not, like, put, trying to put you on the spot. But um, I'm, I, I just want to – I want to hear your take because the, kind of the understanding that I have is that Oscar, he had a chance to go pro and be like a top – 45 maybe like a two-way guy if he had if he had gone pro last year because of what he could do defensively and part of the reason he came back from my understanding is that he was told he was going to have like a more expansive offensive role well turns out Derek Culver got better and kind of won the job more or less right and so she was like this this isn't what I signed up for this isn't the reason I wanted to come back so I'm going to leave. And then Bob Huggins today, um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he, 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 he said publicly, he said on the record, he said on video, we got it. Basically like outside influences are what, um, are what inspired him to leave. And he, uh, he kind of made a reference to people profiting off of the fact that big, big she was leaving. So um, take me through what you can share. Take me through uh, you've played with Huggins. Like you probably know him as well as, as anybody in the media business. So just, Take me through that that circumstance and what's going on with Oscar and, and kind of what it all means. Um, honestly, just like you, you know, you just you heard that. I was one of the things I heard. It was you hear all kinds of things when these like when something like this happens. So Oscar leaving obviously wanted a bigger a bigger role offensively with the team. Um, it didn't help that you know early in the season he didn't he wasn't on the court as much. You know, foul trouble, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. He wasn't playing as well. He wasn't playing as consistent. If you way it to the year before um with that being said like Derek Culver was playing good this year hey, but they, the the thing that kind of was, it was strange to me is they both were playing together so it, it I couldn't really see a role being taken when they're both were playing together they both have the same opportunity and if he had his way coach would probably play them the entire game but as far as foul trouble I, uh, once again Oscar was in it so he couldn't play to the best of his ability and then when he was out there he didn't he wasn't fully in it. He wasn't running the floor, doing the things. You could tell that there was a little bit of friction going on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Oscar made a decision, which from my understanding, a bunch of people and Oscar made a decision, but I don't know personally, like if it was like what coach Huggins is talking about, you know, other people from the uh, like outer influences telling Oscar where to and where not to go. I mean, today, what I said, he, he's transferring to Kentucky. So, you know, and that that's a strange thing because I mean you you would think Cal and Hugs have a great relationship. So like for if I if I think of the relationship they have and then I hear that speech, it's almost like uh, you know, a jab. So like, you know, is the whole so I don't know. Like that's it's just one of those scenarios where Oscar felt that he was supposed to be doing more, especially after and he was supposed to get more, especially after his season he had last year, coming into this year. And then there's other people that probably think that he wants instant instant success and he doesn't want to do the things necessary for him to get the things he wants. And you have these two things that they're clashing with each other while you hear things in the beginning of the season from mm-hmm. whether it be staff or people in the country saying, oh, this could be a really good team if they do this and that. So everybody has their, I wouldn't say egos. I guess you can't say egos. They have their egos. They have all the stuff that they want to do. And they, Oscar made a decision where it kind of, I mean, it, it suits him. I mean, he made a decision to go to another school to better his situation. And it hopefully it'll better the Mountaineers. I mean, it gives Derek some more space, but you can't 
it's not easy to replace another guy that's averaging like nine boards. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, like Derek could get as many rebounds as he wants to, but you can't, it's not the same as having 10 and 10 or nine. And like, these guys are getting 20 boards by themselves. So like, you, it's not easy to replace. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand Huggins frustration. Um, when you kind of build your team around having certain pieces and then those certain pieces leave uh, because I'm, I assume in his view, because he's not the, the Oscar's not, I'm assuming what Huggins thinks is that Oscar's not playing as well as he thought people got in his ear. So he decided to bail. Um, I think that what's probably more true is that um, the best situation for Oscar moving forward was not necessarily at West Virginia. Um, he wanted to go find a place where he could get more shine a little bit more, play a more offensive role, play more consistent minutes, maybe play in a different system or a different style, like whatever it was. Exactly. I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily wrong for a kid to say, well, this isn't the best way for me to get to the place where I can make all this money in the NBA. So I need to find a new start. Now I do think that it probably isn't the smartest decision in the world to leave in the middle of a season when just about everyone expects there to be a rule that allows you to transfer immediately at the end of the year. So like, why would you leave and go spend some time sitting out when you could play the rest of the season? The argument against that would basically be like, well, if you go somewhere else, you could practice with the team. Like if he goes to Kentucky right now, he'll spend the next six months practicing with them, working with them, like learning the system, kind of developing his the relationship with some of the players, whatever. So like there's different arguments on either way, but at the end of the day, like, there's two things that, that kind of frustrate me about this. Like if, if the kid's not happy in the situation, like, it's can, make, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make you a horrible person for not wanting to be in like what you don't consider like a good work situation, right? Like we've all been, we've all had jobs that we didn't enjoy going to going to college basketball is, is kind of a job for these players. Oscar Shibway didn't enjoy doing it. So he left like, it's not, it doesn't make you the worst person in the world. Um, facts, facts. And, and the other part of it is like, okay, can we just kind of chill with all like this? Stuff? Oh, there's tampering going on, blah, blah, blah. Basketball is so insular that everybody knows everybody. And no one is going to make a decision whether or not to transfer without at least feeling around to see if there's other options for you to go to. So it's not tampering if Oscar calls up like, I, I'm just, I, I, this is not how it happened. I'm just kind of <laughs> creating a hypothetical, right? If he calls up like his AAU coach and he says, coach, I'm not happy here. Do you think there's a place for me to go transfer? That coach says, oh, let me go call uh, these seven high major assistants that I'm friends with. Hey, if Oscar Shibway transferred, is that something that would interest you? Blah, 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 blah. That's not tampering. That's how the business of basketball works. That's how everything works, right? It's, you know, the saying, it's all about who you know. Like that's, that just, it frustrates me when you see people go on these tangents about how tampering this, tampering that. And that's just, that's, That's that's the that's the world that we live in, right? Yeah, bro. I just, at the end of the day, when it comes to this scenario, like just like you said, man, the guy the guy wasn't happy where he was. It, who who wants to hold people hostage? Now I get the whole notion that oh, when things are tough, you don't quit, you don't quit on this, you don't quit on your team, and but yeah, we get that aspect. At the same time, who I don't know any adults that would sit there and just you know if they're in a, a place where they weren't happy and then give the best that they could possibly give. Like if you're in a terrible situation, no one performs at their best. Like when he felt like he was in a terrible situation, he made a decision he made, like obviously like the guys and I kind of look at, I don't know. I haven't talked to most of the guys, but 
the vibe I was getting was more or less like the guys on the team were like, they support him too for him going. So like, just like, go ahead, bro. Like whatever makes you, no one wants to be around like somebody that's miserable while they're playing. No one wants to see their friends miserable while they're playing. Like no one wants to see any of that stuff. So you want people to be as happy as they can be, go play the game they love, be successful. That's what you want from your friends, your teammates, people you run into. So like, I'm not, I'm not with the lock people up and, stick it out and you'll become a better person at the end of it. No, like he has opportunity to do something special. Let him do something special with his life before something who knows what could happen in life. (laughs) I mean, you're exactly right. Some people will be better for sticking it, sticking through adversity and coming through the other side of it. Some people will be better by saying, you know what? This sucks. Fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm going to go find a better situation. for myself. It is what it is, man. Not everybody's the same. Um, you actually, so you you mentioned uh, you want everybody on the team to be happy, which is a perfect segue to get into the second <laughs> team that we want to talk about, the Kentucky Wildcats, baby. They Boy. went out, and I think it's time to say, like, I think Kentucky might be back, man. You you go into back. the O-Dome, and you beat Florida by 18. Um, there's there's one point. thing. So there's – I do want to talk about Keon Brooks because I, I, I think that he's so important to what Kentucky does. But the point that you made on the last podcast about how it looks like everybody is happy and smiling and having fun, like now every single time that I watch Kentucky, like that's the biggest thing that stands out. I was like, it looks like everybody's friends. Yes. And I don't, I, I'm not, let's just say, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're playing like that. And there's certain people sitting out that have been sitting out for the last three games. So it's just, yeah. it's, I, I think it's fun to see this Kentucky team. Like we're starting to see what they could be right now. They're starting to come together. So uh, how real is Kentucky? Are you convinced that they are back? Um, I, I'm supposed to give you an overreaction here. So I guess my overreaction is like <laughs> Ke- Keon Brooks is the savior of Lexington. Oh, I like that. I actually like that. Uh, <laughs> well, I say Kentucky is back. Back from that start they had, yes, I will say that the, the what they won three, four games in a row. What is that? Three, four, three in a row now. Three they, in a row. They now. won. They beat Mississippi State in a one State, possession yeah. game. They beat Vanderbilt in a one possession game, and they beat the shit out of Florida. All right, the, the Florida win. The way they did it was impressive because I think this might be like I think it's like they've had two games this season where they've had more assists than turnovers. This was one of them. So like they didn't turn thing. the ball exactly. They didn't turn the ball. They turned the ball over I think like fourteen times or whatever the case may be. But it wasn't as bad as like previous games. I watched the game. They shared the ball a ton. Like the ball didn't really just stop and stay in dead spots. They they moved the ball. They came out there. They screened. They put bodies on people. Like, you can see the energy on the floor. You can see them talking defense. You can see a lot of things that they weren't doing earlier in the season that they're doing now. And, I mean, Brooks comes in. Like, I thought Brooks playing, the way he played the game was pretty dope. He, he played a good game. But after the game was over, hearing Cal talk about – Cal was basically like, all right. I told him, like, uh, we're going to see what we can do for you with minutes today. Uh, or this next game, maybe like I got to figure out where I'm going to put you in. He was like, listen, like you're the coach, do what you're going to do. And I'm going to go do what I need to do. when I, whenever I get the opportunity, like I trust you is good just to see like him come, like he hasn't got a really, he hasn't gotten a chance to play coming back from that calf injury. Like it's, he could easily like Cal said, be sitting there pouting like the guys were earlier in the year when they were getting subbed, complaining about minutes that God, he realized the situation he was in, what the team has been looking like. And he just came there to just bring energy. And he did that. It was, I was happy with the way Kentucky played, man, because there was no, like you said, there was no like moping or any of that. It was energized 
togetherness from the beginning to the end of the game, and they end up beating who I still think is a good Florida team. Yeah, college basketball, first and foremost, is just a better product when Kentucky is good. It, mm-hmm. it makes it more fun to talk about. There's more storylines. Um, it does – it kind of – you know, John Calipari is kind of a guy that can, like, play the villain and, and, <laughs> and like, thrive in that villain role. Like, I think even Kentucky fans realize it. Like, he's kind of at his best when he's – playing something of the bad guy, um, even though, like, I don't necessarily – I think that's kind of an overblown uh, narrative. Um, to me, Keon Brooks coming back, like, what was so important about it is he does all of the little things that – like, it's all of the connective tissue, right? Like, he he's mm-hmm. he's he's the ligaments in your ankle that hold everything together, if that makes sense. He is um, – he's, he's – he plays the four, but he can guard smaller guys – Exactly. He can guard bigger guys, and he he knows what he's doing defensively. Like the thing about having like when you, if you got to go small and play Brandon Boston at the four, if you got to go big and play Isaiah Jackson at the four, like those two yeah. guys can get lost. Keon Brooks doesn't get lost defensively; he knows where he's supposed to be. He could step out and make a three if he needs to. He can catch a lot at the rim if he needs to. Yeah. He can pass like like the ball doesn't stick with him. Um, he does all of the little things that make everyone else around him work in their role. Right, like he's got a specific job to do. Olivier Sars' role is basically like the lob catcher, knock down a jumper here or there, get some rebounds, block some shots. Right, Um, Brandon Boston and Davion Mitch at this point are the guys that kind of have to run around and make threes, uh, try to make some plays defensively, but mostly like run around and make threes and 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 be a threat and make defenses have to move as you move around there. Isaiah Jackson is like go out there and just try to make plays. You have no clue what the fuck you're doing. You have no clue where you're supposed to be. You get lost more than anyone I've ever seen, but you can make up for any, like any mistake that you make, you can make up for it because you're just, he's, he's effort and defense, man. Yes. And, oh my gosh. And physical tools. Like just go exactly. out there and like, if you make a mistake, just run around as hard as you can and try to make up for it. Like just play as hard <laughs> as you can. That's your job. Dante Allen, go out there and just make a bunch of shots. Right. Yeah. And then Keon Brooks come in there and like be the glue defensively. Be the guy that holds everything together. It's kind of like, so it's going to sound like a ridiculous comparison, but like, you know how Draymond Green, if you want him to be the guy on a team, he's never, you're never going to have a very good team if Draymond Green is your best player. Now, if you have some stars around him, but you're missing a guy that can kind of do all the dirty work and bring everything together, like having him on the roster, like brings everybody up. And I think yeah, Keon Brooks has a little bit of that in him because he can do like so many different things and he's happy just doing those things. Oh, yeah, and he looks like he's put on about like 30 pounds of muscle in the off. Like he, he's Jack now. He wasn't Jack like this last year. Now that versatility offensively and defensively definitely helps them. I mean, is they're, they're missing before he got back. They were missing another piece. You know, Allen comes in and obviously gives him a piece of shooting to stretch the floor, but still you need something to like settle your team. And I feel like he he is he is that for the moment. Like he came in, settled their team defensively, making making it easy for them to switch, making making them you know making them be a little bit more versatile defensively, and then offensively the same thing, make, being a mismatch problem for smaller guys and uh, and, and bigger guys who were guarding them. So like like I said, it was it was good to watch uh, Kentucky go out there and play with that much energy. It reminded me of, like their second half against Notre Dame or their second half mm-hmm. against Mississippi State. Like it was just. It was an entire, actually, the whole game against Mississippi State. Like it was a, it was just, it's good to see them play that way because they got these talented dudes who I really think can play. So they can win these games. It's just a matter of them coming out there with the right mentality and and going out there and winning them. 
Yeah, and it's going to be awesome for us and awesome for content because Kentucky was 1-6 heading into SEC play. They're now 3-0 and in the SEC, and they have a showdown coming down on Tuesday with Alabama. So this Damn, idea yeah. that, like, that like Kentucky might be able to win the SEC regular season title and maybe not have a good enough resume to get in that large pitch of the tournament. It's just like, man, it's going to be so like, there's so many takes to be had. There's so much content to spit out. Like, we got we got it we got it made for us which uh they beat alabama bro i, I might have to jump on your that bandwagon which, yeah. you're talking about which is which is actually like first and foremost like i'm very i'm i'm really proud of us Deshaun, because we never jumped off the bandwagon we said the whole time <laughs> there's still a good team in there they, there's still a good team in kentucky so um, you just gotta you gotta wait for it um so that's actually that's a perfect segue because i'm just kind of curious like now we've seen alabama have four really good wins in a row obviously they won at tennessee um they beat florida pretty soundly they beat up on mississippi uh they just won at auburn who got sharif cooper back and we can talk about sharif cooper in a second but um so where like who is who do you think is the best team in the sec where does kentucky stand up and like how how real is this alabama team it's hard to say who the best team is. I thought, I, I honestly thought Florida and Tennessee were like the two. Uh, Alabama has been great, and Florida, I'm obviously them beating Tennessee, and then Florida just getting slapped the way they did. I mean, it didn't look good. I still like Florida as a team just because of their versatility as a team. I like Florida a lot to be the best team in the league. They just aren't doing what what uh, Kentucky and Alabama are in conference right now. So, I mean, if I had to pick, I'd probably still rock with Florida. Alabama is good, bro. Like, <laughs> like that was a lot of you not, that might be the most exciting game I saw when I was watching that day. Like, just, it was, it was, it was nonstop. I, it was like from the game, exactly. Like, I've probably never seen uh, four back to back to back to back alley oops <laughs> like that <laughs> in a college game. Like, it was insane. And then watching the pace of the game and it was, Bro, like I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was just, it was so fun to watch, and I just couldn't take my eyes off the game. Um, what's my guy's name? Jones, as a Her- Herbert Jones, bro, athlete, <laughs> like Hooper. Like I was, it was a lot of fun to watch the game. He, Herbert Jones is another one of those guys that just kind of brings everything together. Great pass, a great Man. defender. The guy that was a difference maker for me was, uh, was Jordan Bruner. Like Josh Primo made some shots. Um, John Petty, like when he gets it going, like he's so dangerous because he can rip off like four or five threes in a row. But mm-hmm. Jordan Bruner is the guy that really, I, I really do think he's the difference maker for Alabama. Um, he's 6'10, he can make threes, he can pass that thing. He's a really good offensive rebounder. Mm-hmm. He can protect the rim, he can move his feet on the perimeter. Like he is everything you want out of like that small ball five roll and he's six foot 10, 10. Exactly. Um, <laughs> now this was the first time he really got it going like that. Uh, and, and like part of the issue, like he's a transfer from Yale. Yeah. And part of the issue is like when he was at Yale, like he just, he's one of those guys whose knees are like, they never feel good. Right. It's not mm-hmm. like he's hurt, but he's always like, whether it's tendonitis or they're sore or like, he just can't really move. Like, he just has he has i think the best way to phrase it like he has old knees yeah it's just like old (laughs) knees like you know they just always hurt man so um i'm glad to see that he got it going because he's like he's a good kid and he's really talented and i think that when he plays like the way he did against auburn it completely changes what their ceiling is the best part javon quinterly didn't even play 
That's your yeah, guy from up there in Jersey, yeah, man. Yeah, Javon Kennedy, he, did, he didn't even nah. play. Let's talk about Shereen Cooper real quick. They didn't, they didn't need him. him. They didn't need him. <laughs> let's, so let's, let's, let's talk about Sharif Cooper because I think that um, Auburn suddenly becomes a really dangerous team in this league. I don't know. They're 6-6 six and six right now. They, they don't have any bad losses. They don't really have any good wins. Yeah. Uh, but, with, but with Sharif Cooper back, like what this team was missing was – so they have finishers, right? They got athletes and on athletes on athletes. They got a bunch of guys that can make open threes, whether it's Wes Flanagan or Justin Powell, who didn't even play the other day. Right, exactly. um, but but they don't really have – they didn't have a point guard. They didn't have someone that could create the shots that these guys could finish. Yeah. And Sharif Cooper, bro, he could create a shot bro. for anybody. Like he'd get in the lane. He was firing off like no-look lefty passes off a live dribble with a defender on his hip coming off a pick-and-roll – on the dot through two defenders in the far court, like the opposite side corner, like the passes he was making off of ball screens, the reads that he was making, the the, the quick reactions, like like that was that uh, right there, like what the, the the his passing ability right now is like NBA level. No, it definitely is. We have a ball screens. You said uh, the one where he's like uh, almost by half court. He took like basically took a dribble out, was waiting on the rotation to get back so he could throw the no look dead to the middle of the basket, like bro. I, that was a. It was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun watching that game. He is an absolute talent. He almost gave me the vibes of Isaiah Thomas, but with passing vision, <laughs> like a young, like Isaiah Thomas at Washington with his explosiveness, more or less. Not like I, I know a lot of people say like Tyler Ulysses, uh, like they they talk about him being like that, but his explosiveness when he puts the ball down to go somewhere, just like his little rock step to explode out of his uh, like off the uh, catch and go to the cup, yeah. like. I see a ton of like Isaiah Thomas and that, but the passing ability, it's like he's he's a pro when it comes to finding people, vision and then getting the ball there into the right, like into it's not a lot of people can see and make those passes, but they don't get there. They're like low, they're here, there, like he's putting it oh, on no, he, the he's, put, he's putting it in the pocket. He's putting in it right the pocket in the pocket for jump shots, right next to the rim for like he had to literally lead someone to a dunk. They weren't even going to dunk the ball. He had to put it right there, like, dunk it, bro. I threw it up to you. Just dunk it. They they had to step in and get the ball. He's an unbelievable talent. And just like you said, like, Auburn becomes that much more dangerous with him being there. Like, you can see yeah. it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the NCAA would do with it. If they – like, let's say that they go 12 and twelve and 4 the rest of the way, uh, excuse me, in the SEC and finish, like uh, – what would that make them, like, 18 and 12 overall or something like that? I don't yeah. know if that's that's going to be enough to get in the tournament. It might be like it's just it's a weird year. Like I have no idea what to expect out of bracketology stuff, but I do know this: Auburn is going to win some games because like the other part of it is like Sharif wasn't even all the way there. Like he has some bad turnovers in that yeah, game. Yeah, the last minute was bad. Minute and a half, excuse me, was bad. We're talking like three, like two turnovers back to back, then two back to back terrible three attempt, like three yep. point attempts. And that's the other part. Minute. It's the, the shooting too. Like he's he yeah. shoots a set shot. It takes forever to get Ever. off. Um, so like he, I mean, to, to get to the next level to the NBA, like he's got to fix that because he's they list him at six one. No, <laughs> he's six one with the fro. Yeah, like <laughs> they measure they measured him at the top of his hair. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, like he, he's he, six one. As soon as I saw him, I was just like, yo, he looks tiny. Yes. But he's I was like, I was like, this is who they were. Style. This is who they were waiting on. I was like, oh, okay, that's why. Yeah, I was gonna say that was. <laughs> I promise you, I was sitting there, like I watched the game, and I'm like, yo, like he passed the eye test immediately within the first three minutes of the game. I was just like, he's a phenomenal player. Yeah, Sabisto Young. He didn't even look like a, uh, a freshman out there. 
Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get into, I have some questions uh, from from some listeners that we're going to get into really quick. But before we do, I just want to read something that uh, that Coach K said um, the other day because I think it's important to mention because it is Coach K. Um, he does have a voice in this sport, and he's more and more uh, unafraid to speak out publicly about things that um, may not uh, be popular with everybody that is. Uh, that, that is a Duke fan in North Carolina. So this is what he said. He said, um, this was after uh, Saturday's win against Wake Forest. He said, Wednesday was a horrible day. It was an insurrection. It went to the very fabric of this great country where the symbol for our democracy is that capital. And we allowed that symbol to be really just spit on and stepped on. It was a sorry day. And my prayers go out to the officer's family who was killed from the nice. Capitol Police. Just like my prayers go out to the 16,000 families that have lost loved ones just last week from COVID-19. Are you kidding me? There's 16,000. What the hell are we doing where we can't work as a country to come together and get these vaccines out? And if someone's doing something bad, Congress has the responsibility of stepping forward. Where are our values? Our nation has been built on values. Uh, Wednesday was a sorry, sorry day. And everyone who was involved, they should be prosecuted and our leaders... Our politicians who spoke up in support of that should be chastised. There's no question about it. This is not about being a Republican or a Democrat. It's about being a damn American. Be an American. Work together. You know, people say that's not who we are, but that is who we are right now. It is who we are. We need to change who we are. And I thought that that was so important for a couple of reasons. One, when you have like there are certain personalities in college basketball where their voice carries more weight than anybody else, than anything else. Um, it's all about the coaches in the sport. So like Coach K, when he says something, it resonates the same way that like if LeBron says something, right? Like that's that's kind of the profile that he, I mean, we're talking about the head coach of Team USA. When he says something, it resonates. Like Roy Williams is like that. Jim Beheim's like that a little bit. Um, there's like five, six, seven guys that are kind of at that level. Coach K is is the pinnacle of this. And he came out and said that. The other part of it is like he's he is a Republican. I, I don't know if he still is. I don't know if he identifies with the the as far right as some people on, on that side of the aisle have gotten. But in 2002, like there was a huge controversy because he facilitated um, a fundraising dinner on Duke's campus in a Duke owned building um, for a Republican senator in what was like a hotly contested election. Like that was a big thing when it happened back in 2002. So like he's coming out and he's saying these things as somebody who, um, who had, I think the best way to say it is who has supported uh, the party that kind of created these issues in the first place. And like, we don't have to, we can kind of keep politics out of this. Like we don't have to talk any more about it, but I, I just, I wanted to make sure that we made mention of it. I wanted to make sure that it was discussed and I wanted to make sure that it, that, um, that we put it out there because here he is saying that people should be basically like the, the Congress people that have been supporting these lies that have been, been parroting the lies of, of the president of this country should be chastised and should be punished. And the people that are going in there should, should Very much so. uh, have to pay, have to face repercussions. So um, Very much so. we're in support of coach K and his statement. So yeah, I rock yeah, with so coach K. Um, I just thought that it was important to, uh, to mention that, to put that out there, to make people aware of where he stood um, and uh, to give him credit for speaking up on this issue. Because like I said, there are certain people in this sport where their voice carries weight when they say something. And I was, uh, I was very um, 
appreciative of the fact that he said uh, what he said. All right, we got three questions and we're going to get out of here. Hey, Sean, like, I asked for questions for us. Like, us? I know. I, I was all the questions to get, all, I all the questions are for you, man. So, um, why, let's start why out with, I don't know. Let's, I'm not let, interested. Let, let's, let's start out <laughs> with this one. Um, so, you played at Mackey Arena on New Year's Day in 2010. Uh, this is obviously coming from a Purdue fan because you lost that game. So, he's trolling Bad. you. But, what, yeah, but he course, wants to know what, what he wants to know is basically like the craziest environments you played in. And I want to hear your best, like, uh, what a fan said to you story. Like you got to give me, I know you got a couple good ones. So give me, give me like the craziest <laughs> environments and give me the best story. The funniest thing that a fan has ever said to you. All right. Crazy environments. Purdue is definitely one of those. Cause it, the game might've been like at a, a past like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And these people were outside. It was freezing cold and they packed this gym up, which when I first saw the gym, I was like, Oh, this gym is pretty small. It's not as, it's not big. Like this is going to be like a, probably a crappy game. Like crap. Like I was just, I didn't think it was going to be the way it was going to be. And then the fans packed it in and then we got our heads kicked, kicked in. And it was a bad game. Uh, Purdue beat the crap out of us. Robbie shot the ball. Amazing. Um, it was a tough, it was a tough, tough uh, afternoon for us morning, whatever. So that's definitely one of the toughest places I played in. Um, geez. Pitt. Pitt's a tough environment to play in. Like that's the rival that was always you, you, tough. You mean you mean back like, in the day, not not anymore. Pitt yeah, right now. not anymore. It's the ACC. <laughs> they're, they're 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 wearing suits and stuff like that. We're they're they're not the the biggest guys they used to be, but uh yeah, Pitt was a tough one. Um, let me see. Can I tell you what I think the, the rack, most underrated? The rack was the rack was interesting. The rack was interesting. It was it was I've, I I grew up in New Jersey, so going to the to the rack and watching those games and then playing in it was it was very interesting as well because like, they they can bring it as well. Uh, so I think the most underrated environment for a game that I've ever been to was Maryland at home. Like really? those, they they go crazy there. The, the way they got the got it set I never up got a like, chance to play. I always wanted to play against Grievous, uh, Grievous, and those guys when I was in college. Great because I had nothing but respect for him. He's so he's such a great basketball player when I was so, uh, in college. So the way that they have it set up is the lower bowl, like for basically ninety percent of the way around the court, is probably fifteen rows of nothing but students, and then they have one, one behind one of the baskets all the way up. It's, there's no like decks or tiers it just goes all the way up like it's just a field house and it's nothing but students so you have students all around the court and you have a wall of sound coming at you and like maryland fans they 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 get after it man like college college park is a fun college town and you know that those dudes like they're they're showing up there they're hammered um and and it's just (laughs) it's 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 an unbelievably loud environment they play into it uh, they love basketball there. They get basketball there. It's a basketball school. So uh, to me, like that was the most underrated one I ever, uh, I, I ever, uh, ever went to a game. And um, you got to give me something about a, a good thing a fan said to you. I'm not, I'm, I'm holding you to that. You got to give me a good story. Mm. To me, I don't, I really, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I just got a bunch of like FUs and they talked, they talked about my mom <laughs> and shit like that. Like, but uh, one of my teammates, uh, <laughs> so we had this seven footer who was a, uh, uh my sophomore year who was like uh he was a singer and he was uh going bald at the top of his head like the, the you know <laughs> right in the back um and the guy he had it pretty rough so we went to pit and we're in the layup line and pit sold out it's the it's the backyard brawl and all of a sudden the crowd starts chanting ostrich 
And bro, he's like this really pale white like guy with this ball spot in his head, bro. And the entire team, while we're shooting, like, like no one could stop laughing. And he was so pissed. And I'm talking about a, like at least like eight thousand students are in there singing, like, screaming, ostrich, ostrich, <laughs> pointing at him. Like they're close to the court, pointing at him. It was like so funny. Like that's so, you, like, what, you guys that's are like, you so, guys are laughing at him. Oh, of course, bro. I couldn't stop. Crying. I was crying. Like that's what I said. Like, I enjoyed those things. Like we put, go to other people's gyms, and people were just talking shit. Like some dude was like, "Hey, how's Karina doing?" That's my mother's name. And some kids just in my face, like, "How's Karina?" I'm like, "Bro, like you wouldn't do this anywhere else." So it's just funny to me. Like I laughed it off, and then go on lay up one. So anytime somebody in the with my teammates, I couldn't help but like laugh like cry hysterically because it's i love i love good one-liners when you get like when you would yeah. sit on press row and you hear him yelling from behind you good one it's just it's that's yeah. hey. i mean that's the best part about college basketball i mean is it's getting yeah. the the jokes like that Students we had a one we had one where hugs won his like i think his th- 300th game or something like that at canisius and we were playing against one of my guys frank turner who played for canisius um and we uh halftime we are weren't playing as good but we got 299. He has 299 wins. We got to get the 300th one for him. Um, he's walking out, and some one of the students from like Kanisha is like, Hugs, you piece of shit. I, I kick you, blah, blah, blah. Just like talking, like spitting, yelling as loud as he could. So then Hugs like walks over to this kid and like leans over to his shoulder. And no one knows what he said, but the dude didn't say anything for like, <laughs> like the next 10 minutes. <laughs> he just like sat back and like sat down and just like, he didn't say anything. So like we always talked about that. Like, damn, man, I wonder what he said <laughs> to this dude. Bro. Well, t- it, when, we, when we get Huggins on this podcast, 100%, that is going to be a question that I ask him. Facts, facts. Um, all right. So another question we got this one. Uh, that question was from a guy whose Twitter account is just college betting. So. There you go. Uh, this is from this is from uh, Patrick McKinstry. Uh, Patty, I hope I got that name right. Uh, he wants to know who are some great players on uh, mediocre teams that you guys feel deserve more love. I have three, so I'll let you okay. think about this while I while I kind of um, yeah talk to me. Drop these three. Uh, I think Sandrew Mamukelishvili just took, Seton Hall. You just took my guy. Right, good. I'm he, glad we're on the same. He's I know, special. Yeah. Oh he, my he's gosh. Different. Did you six see the 11? pass he had this week? Did you see the pass that he had this weekend against the Paul? Like he drives left and throws a little no look, like over his shoulder, like this. Bro. He had a couple of them. Bro, the Ridiculous. fact that he's six and eleven and can move at that pace at which he moves, like most time, most time you see guys that big, they they can be like stiffs, so, like they can be slow footed and or even even if they could pass the ball, like Lucas could pass the ball pretty, like Garza could pass the ball decently, but as fast under that, like this guy is like diming people <laughs> it's, a, it's a big difference from the passes that other guys are making and what he's making like he can do things in the transition he can do things off the catch of the block and finding people perimeter you got to guard the perimeter a little bit too like he's he's to me like if he's on a team if he's on one of these like if he's on virginia Virginia's a better team if he's mm-hmm. on if he's on uh I hate, I love my guy, Georgie from Illinois. If you swap him and Georgie, Illinois is an infinitely better team. Like I now I feel like Illinois can like make passes in the half court to get some other people baskets other than Io. So like that, like Sandro is like a talent. Bro. I, I enjoy watching Sandro play. I remember I texted you about it. I was like, yo, yeah. I can't pronounce his last name, 
but he is nice. <laughs> try it. Try it. Let me let me hear you say it. Say his last name. Uh, oh, sorry. I look at the. I gotta look at the text real fast. It's it's, it's uh, Memu Kalashvili. Memu Kalashvili. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there from, you go. You got it. You got Tabil- it. From Tabilis, Georgia. My guy, and that's how <laughs> I was. I, I literally, as soon as I talked to you about, it, I was like, let me look this guy up, bro. Like talent, bro. Six eleven, lefty. All right. Yeah, man. So I got I got three more for you. All right, Talk David Duke, David Duke at Providence. Okay, uh, he had he had thirty and seven today, thirty points and seven assists. Like he's putting up huge numbers. He's a six foot five kind of like combo makes a bunch of threes. Um, I don't know how good Providence is. They keep blowing games, uh, mm-hmm. but that kid is is like he's a player. I think he's probably going to end up getting drafted this year. Um, I really like um, I just uh, Kessler Edwards. At Pepperdine, mm-hmm. I think has a chance to end up being a pro. Um, that you should watch him. Like you'll you'll really like him. He's just kind of like one of these combo forwards that's athletic, like six eight, makes some threes, can shoot it, put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, and then the the last guy that I had written down is oh man, I'm blanking on it. Who was it? Who was it? all right? You go with someone, and then I'll, I'll try to. I got to remember who it was. I had Isaiah Ross from uh, Iona. He's a bucket. For like six four, kind of not want to say like he's not built super sharp, but the guy can he has a clip, threes, one dribble bounce, two dribble bounce, mid range. Like I, I enjoy watching him play, and then that coach does a ton of like getting him like basically pass the ball, walk away, come back screens for him to get shots. Like he get he gets them. He got I want to say maybe what he has like three four twenty five point games or something like that. Like he's been hooping. So all right, the last one. Him. The, the last guy that I, I forgot about was uh, F.A. Abogidi at um, at Washington State. He's a freshman. He's like 6'11". He makes threes. On Saturday, next Saturday, he's got a matchup with Evan Mobley at okay. USC. Uh, that game is at 9.30 p.m. I don't know what channel it's going to be on, but that's what like, – you got to watch that one because this this kid, like I, – I said this to Goodman the other day. Like I, I think that he's probably going to play in the NBA. I don't know how long it's going to be before he gets there, but you can't watch – if you watch him and you see, like, you know those guys where you see their hands, you see their shoulders, you see him catch one lob and how high they get, and then you see him yeah. make a three? Like, mm. you see, do, see all those four things in a row, and you just know. You just know. So I, I, I yeah. when you watch him play against Evan Mobley, well, that's going to be a really good gauge for just what he could be. But th- that kid is really good. So that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- those are my two right there. You know who I was I'm, – I'm, I'm blanking on this kid's name. He is not a – this is not a bad team he's on, obviously. He's on Baylor. The uh, the big the big man from Baylor, they call him EJ. He's like everyday – Oh, working day out, bro. Every, every, everyday John. Every, everyday John, bro. I was very impressed while watching him play. It's like, Jonathan Chamuachachua. Yeah, Chamuachachua, bro. I was very <laughs> impressed with him, bro. He is like, how do you how can you not get Mamu Kalasvili, but you got Chamba Chachwa without anything? Chamba Chachwa, so we, I'm, it's, 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 it's that might heritage. be the most. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's in the heritage, bro. No, honestly, that was so. I just it was pretty easy to hear. The Mama, Mama, I still can't even say my guy Sandra's last name. Uh, he put me on the spot again. Chamba Chachwa is one of the most fun names to say though. Um, all right, uh, last bro. question we got from Tom Soy, uh, Tom Sweeney. Um, he said, have you read the miracle of St. Anthony from, uh, from Woj? Um, and it, which talks about like your state championship Bloomfield tech team. Uh, nah, I actually didn't, um, didn't read the book. I heard about it. I just never read the book. I mean, I just never got around to it, but St. Anthony's is always great. Like, um, it depends on what year you're talking about. Cause we 
I believe we played them twice in the state championship, my sophomore year in high school. And then when I graduated, I think they played them in the, the, the finals as well. So like mm-hmm. Bob, Bob Hurley is like, he's what you is the epitome of uh New Jersey basketball, man. Like if you want your kids to be tough and earn it, like what, what people want from like guys like uh coach Huggins and stuff, like he's that, in the middle of New Jersey, in Jersey City, with St. Anthony's, like he's done a phenomenal job. I, I after you sent me the uh, thing, I looked the I looked up the story, and they were it kind of seemed like they were trying to downplay the year they were going to have that year. They were like the number two team in the state the entire season. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what is this book? I was like, whoa, what is this book about? Like, this is a great team already. <laughs> like, Did that wasn't that, that the year they had like player. seven high major guys? Uh, they had like seven dudes that were like seniors who were all going D one. Like they were yes. going like. They were going mid major and uh, low, but still, like they were all going D one. I was like, "What are you talking about? These guys are good." Like, it's we, like they we had, had Tyshawn Taylor coming off the bench that year. Like, we weren't <laughs> even supposed to. We weren't even supposed to be in the game, like <laughs> in the championship. Like, so, yeah. So yeah, you, no, you, you what you need yeah. is you need a story about you guys. That's what you need. Uh, our, our high school team was great. Group yeah, one, group one, five hundred kids in the school only, beating every school in the state. We were amazing. Yeah, there you go. All right, Deshaun, it's been fun, man. We'll uh, we'll let you relive some of your high school fantasies again. Can't uh, wait. Maybe maybe next week. Maybe next week we'll get the actual story on what happened when. Uh, well, you know, we'll get Woj out here. We'll we'll correct the record. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that'd be awesome to get Woj. Yeah. All right, Deshaun. It's always a pleasure, man. Same, bro. Same.